0: And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson.
1: Welcome back. And uh, this is Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. And our guest this week is Kieran Long. Kieran is, well, he lives on the island of Borneo in Malaysia. He's from Hong Kong, educated in the UK and he is a very interesting guy. I, um, I've, I've actually been following his work for probably a year now. I see him a lot in um, some of the, uh, the Leica um, uh, Facebook groups and also in the Leica's LFI um, galleries. He's, he's He's always winning these a master shots and photo of the day I have two to my name in in a couple of years he probably knocks that out in a week I don't know anyway so I want to want to welcome you thanks Kieran thanks for being with us
0: hello Bob oh, thank you for that very kind uh, <laughs> in, in, introduction uh, very flattered by that uh, it's thank you for the invitation here it's a great honor for me to be on your your podcast and have a chance to speak to all your viewers, readers, subscribers. A great honor for me. Yeah, well,
1: here. you're welcome. Like I said, I've been following you for a while. I've I really enjoy your work and always stop to take a close look when when I see something pop up. And uh, you know, I visit your LFI gallery directly. I've got it. I have a bookmarked. Um, you, oh, you do a lot. You. you know what? And this this is not you know this is not a Leica show although we'll talk about it because, uh, Kieran happens to be a Leica ambassador as well. I didn't even know that until we got ready to record today, but um, he does does some very interesting work and, and very he's like I said very talented very creative. I guess we might as well just get started. And I'm going to ask you why don't you give tell us about your background in photography how you got into it and um how you started doing street photography and i I told you earlier how you do a lot of documentary work, and for you, it's just your neighborhood so <laughs> yeah, close to your uh, home.
0: <laughs> okay it's um uh it's been a, a a roundabout journey uh my initial interest uh since I was a young child was actually in history uh I studied history, I loved history um when it was time to choose a degree at university, I went to uh, study history. And part of that studying of history was studying the history of art. And when you are studying the history of art, you get to look at those really beautiful illustrated coffee table books. And then from there, I started an appreciation of the photography in those uh, coffee table books. And I've been lucky that uh, when I was younger, uh, I was able to travel to places like Italy. And I have that interest in the, the architecture, you know, the Renaissance and Baroque sculpture. So my photography started, as it does for most people, just taking holiday snaps. But my holiday snaps tended to be of uh, classical marble statues. Uh, <laughs> and then it became it in black and white. So that's great when you're in on holiday in Italy, but when you come back to your hometown, at that time I was living in Hong Kong. Uh, my hometown's uh, actually here in the Malaysian part of Borneo. I'll explain about that a little bit later. We don't have so much Renaissance architecture here or, <laughs> or, or sculptures. Um, uh, so I was talking to my brother, who's also a keen sort of hobbyist in photography and my cousin, and we thought, well, I'm in a small city in Malaysia. What, what can I shoot? We don't have that sculpture, but we have people. We have a lot of people. Any city, any town has people. So my photography became about taking figurative uh, shots and it became, it developed into portraiture on the streets. And then you have side projects, we do human interest, more documentary. Style photography, so it was a roundabout journey to get to uh, where I am right now with my photography, focusing more on on, on human interest. And <laughs> <laughs> and um, well, and I, I think I'm also fortunate that I I tell people that I'm in Borneo. Mm-hmm. Um, the third largest island in the world. And when you say Borneo, I think it conjures up images of being something like the Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it is in certain parts of it, but I'm in a city and we have, you know, we have all the fast food chains, all the major brands and the shopping malls. But I'm fortunate that maybe a, a half an hour's drive from my house, we have a population of the wild orangutans. So
1: wow. I had that
0: opportunity to, yeah, wow, exactly. Uh, so I have that opportunity to do that kind of wildlife photography, if I want to. Um, but also probably a, a half an hour drive from my house, I could end up to go to a, a traditional village where 90% of the population would be engaged in fishing. Uh, and so if you look at my work, a lot of it is mm-hmm. um, spending time with the fishing communities going out in the boats with the fishermen, going out to sea uh, to catch photos of them, casting their nets out, hauling in their catch, and and just try to record that life uh, of of that unique lifestyle of what I feel is a unique place. Uh, And that lifestyle is changing. This is where my photography and my Interest in history meet. Hmm. Uh, One day, the ultimate ambition is they they form part of a historical record of what my hometown or the surrounding area of where I live look like uh, today. So maybe 30, 50 years from now, people may.
1: Uh, I, I paused the recording for a couple of minutes Uh, Kieran's having a little, little internet problem and uh, his audio is breaking up a bit. So I paused it and then it looks like things are, are better. So we're going to pick up where, where he left off. And uh, by the way, I'm recording this about eight o'clock at night and it's on Friday night and he's, it's Saturday morning for him and his kids are playing video games.
0: Yep. So my apologies. They're probably sucking up all my bandwidth. They're taking the bandwidth. uh, That
1: that happens a lot. Anyway, so you were talking about, um, you know, photographing in your your area, especially among the fishermen and things, which are really your streets for, for lack of a better term. I mean, that's where where people live and work, and you're out there photographing them in, in their own environment. And you were talking about its relation to your, your study of history. So uh, why don't you pick up where you left off and, and tell us more about that? Yeah, so uh, my
0: photography, my interest in history, this is where they, uh, they meet, they, they interface. Uh, and I'm quite conscious uh, that my photos one day could be part of uh, a historical record. And hopefully they're good enough that maybe they would enter into a museum archive or something like that. That that would be my um, uh, ambition. That's also my my motivation. I've been going out to do this style of photography now, I think for about seven years. And in that time, I can see the changes in the communities, uh, in in the fishing villages. I can see some of the modernization coming in you can argue whether that's good or bad but the progress is progress so in, in some ways i also feel that it's a little bit of a race against time for my photography before all that tradition disappears and um, because i go to these communities regularly and i've been doing it for quite some time i've made some good friends there so among the fishermen some who were my boatmen, my guides, Uh, they come to me and say, oh, I've got this interesting story. Why don't we try and do this? So about a few months ago, one of my my good friends said, I know someone who is a boat builder. He hand-makes the fishing boats. Would you be interested to photograph that? You bet. Of course I want to do that. So he went on my behalf, to talk to these people, say, look, I know my friend Kieran, he's a photographer. Would, would you allow him to take photos? So as you build all these relationships, you play that long game uh, and, and you make those contacts and more and more stories, you become more and more embedded or more familiar, really unique opportunities. And so I was very happy to do the photo story and the boat builder, and you get a chance to speak to them. And the the interesting thing, and it's quite sad in way, he said, I'm probably the last one in my area. I don't have an apprentice. Hmm. My, my, my children aren't interested in taking over. They want to get a city job. <laughs> and you have that story that might not be there in 10 or 15 years. So yeah, of course, you 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 want to do it. And it's not the most glamorous photo. He works in a simple workshop at the back of his house, but you know it's a vanishing art. It's a dying skill. And you like to think your photography has an important role in recording it. Uh, you know that picture will be of historical significance at at some point. And, and that's
1: my motivation that reminds me I don't know if you know know of Meryl Meisler US, American photographer who photographed around in New York City in the 1970s 1980s in the club scene if you ever heard of Studio 54 back in I've the, heard of that yeah. yeah so she photographed all these places and she's published several books now uh, and and she always says you're a historian that's really your job is to record history and and she also was a school teacher at the time photographed in in uh, bushwick brooklyn and uh Welcome. pretty pretty rough area at the time and uh that's that's always uh that's always stuck with me and you're you're certainly doing that as well
0: that's what i, I i'm sort of trying to go for uh, I, when I go back to what I said in the introduction, I was looking at those really beautiful coffee table style books. Yeah. And one of the things I was looking at was the work of Sebastián Salgado. I'm Uh sure most of your, your audience would have heard it. And I really loved what he was doing by recording um, the people and the lifestyle that as he grew up in Amazonas, I'm kind of trying to have that idea or that, concept here in in my my part of Borneo, Um, and maybe there aren't too many photographers here locally are are, are doing that style. I I have a lot of friends who are photographers and they work in France and have their own studio. They're doing wedding and commercial work, but there are very few that go out there as regularly, as consistently as I do, perhaps to try and look for these, um, shall we say, less glossy, less glamorous type of photography, the more documentary style. Because it it takes a long time to build up that body of work uh, for this style of photography. And and maybe that's what puts some people off. They want one visit, get 100 great shots. Yeah. Um, If you can, great. But it, it doesn't really happen that way. No. So I'm talking about this fishing village i visited seven, eight times in the past year, which is pretty hard during a COVID lockdown, but, you know, mm-hmm. I still found a way. Um, so it's having that motivation. Um, and I think also that clear idea of a well-defined project that gives um, a real sort of uh, well-focused subject to your work you're shooting for something with consistency it's not just a whole selection of random shots just because you happen to be here or there it's like now there's a story in this village I'm going to go back I'm going to meet the people and get more and more that I can out of it
1: over the years I've judged many photography contests and they almost always have single photos and then they have series contests and one of the ones that stuck out to me the most was one somebody did in italy in a uh with a uh, violin maker and he oh, wow. of course you know that's something that's always done by hand and the photographer did such a wonderful job documenting this person photographing his hands and and uh and just there was just so much care in what he did in expressing or you know documenting the the craft that this person had to be really good at to make yeah. make make these instruments yeah. and that, that was probably my favorite series of of anything and that was my choice it didn't win but you know so what yeah. they don't have my taste but but yeah, <laughs> it always stuck with me so and and again i mean that could fade out Someday, who knows? Maybe I'll start making violins. By you know. well,
0: it, it's an interesting thing you uh, you mentioned a uh, taste in photography. Um, I, I obviously I'm interested. I I have a passion in, in in the subjects I choose, and that's what that's what motivates me to go out as often as I can, even in, in you know in bad weather to go out in stormy seas. It may not be everyone's taste to everyone's taste, but what I hope they can appreciate is that passion and that enthusiasm for telling a story, which I hope, irrespective of what subject or project you choose, that that shines through in your work. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And and I think it's an important thing. Uh, Probably more than great technique I'm probably not a great technical photographer I I just enjoy going out and pressing the shutter release I get an <laughs> immense satisfaction and in many ways you know when I come back I load up the memory card and I look at the, the photos and, on, on the big screen on my PC I hope I have something good but it, it's I think it's that passion and enthusiasm uh, if people look at my work it's like well Kieran's out there every day how can you get a different view of the same fishing village every time. And that's what I enjoy. It's also the intellectual challenge. If you go to a small place, or if you're like me, you live in a small city, and all your other photography friends are saying, oh, there's nothing to shoot. And I'm thinking, there must be, but what is it? And the answer is not immediately apparent. It's not always obvious. So sometimes you really have to rack your brain and think, well, what more can I get out of this small place or this small group of individuals or this small project that I, I can show it differently or, or, or to do it differently? And I like that intellectual challenge as well.
1: You know, you're photographing other people in a place where you you don't live or you don't work, but it's still... You know, it's probably as much about you as it is about them, because it is your passion and it's something that is very interesting to you.
0: Yes, I, 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 I take these photos to to honor these people. Uh, if you look at my street photos, I, I try and capture their unique personality. Uh, and, and some of my friends always joke, oh, Kieran, you're, you're always taking portraits of old people
1: good uh, yes it's one of my favorites <laughs> and in black and white
0: their faces their features you know their worn weathered skin of an old sea dog has so much character there are so many lines and wrinkles it's yeah. fantastic
1: that's funny I d-
0: they have so much personality and and there's so much character that just shines through you know, you know they may have lived long hard lives of, of physical labor I photos of fishermen with their fingers are deformed from, yeah. it shows a life well lived. It shows personality, it, it shows character in a way, maybe a more glossy, more, a different style of photography doesn't have. But, but I, I, I find these people interesting. And, and every time I, I've gone to these communities, I've always been well received. they have been very friendly. Um, Some of these subjects says, oh, thank you for the photo. Uh, It's an honor that you took the photo. I said, no, no, the the honor is mine that I can capture your unique lifestyle. And they've invited me into their house and cooked me a meal. Oh, wow. Uh, And there's times I've I've come back with, oh, thank you for taking our photo. Here's two kilos of freshly caught scallops we we netted this morning. Please, please take them. (laughs) No, no, I, I should be giving you a gift. (laughs) <laughs> You've given me the honour to say, No, 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 no! Please, please take this freshly poured teat.
1: Do you bring them prints? I, I don't.
0: Uh, I, 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 I've wanted to, but in this day and age, they say, "Oh, um, here's my mobile phone number.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, can you send me the shots on WhatsApp?" Oh, so okay. I, I do yeah. <laughs> because they're like, "Oh, you have signal out here?" I said, "Yeah, of course we do." <laughs> so I, I I send them the digital copies. Um, I, I always offer to send them the digital copies. Some people say, nah, nah, it's okay, I don't need it. Um, the younger people said, yeah, 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 I, I want it. I want to put it on my Facebook, I want to put it on my IG. So I definitely do that. So if someone requests the photos, I will give them a, a digital copy. And then by the time you get home, you see you've got the friend request on Facebook or they're following you in IG. So uh, you send them the photos and they'll tag you, which is nice. And within about five minutes, the photo you've taken of them is their new profile photo. Huh. And, and for me, that is such a great validation. Oh of my yeah. Work. It's almost better than, you know, be uh, getting an award. But the subject you took the photo of, this is great photo. This is my new profile photo.
1: There's nothing like seeing your work someplace yeah. else. Uh, the second guy I interviewed, 10 years ago for the magazine, um, photographed. He was in, I'm, I was telling before we started, I'm telling Kieran about Appalachia uh, here in the US. And uh, uh, he was photographing in the in Appalachian region of Ohio, very poor area. Got to know this guy and he photographed his wedding and gave him the photos. He went back there 20 years later, found the guy. He lived in a little trailer the caravan whatever you call it over there he walks in and there's one of the photos he took tacked up on the wall 20 years later he was like thrilled to be able to see somebody putting something that he did in a place of honor like that yeah so So, yeah same thing that it's electronic
0: yeah it's It's, it's, it's cool electronic now so if i give them a print they're like I, i don't have a photo frame it's like. No, it, it's, it's there on their Facebook. It's there on their Instagram. Yeah, wow.
1: that's, that's as as real as a print. Well, if the older people, they probably probably would rather have a print, I'm sure. They'd
0: rather have a print. The interesting thing, what I also find now, when they add you to their social media, you have a contact in that community. So they say, yeah. oh, I'm planning going up next week. Um, I'd like to take some photos. And some of the fishermen said, no, we don't advise next week. Weather forecast is not good. Tides oh. are low. Don't come on the Tuesday or Wednesday. Thursday or Friday is fine. Oh, so that's... More of us are going to be out at sea. So That's the value of making the contact or having a long project. Uh, so you give them something and they start giving back and it becomes a real community project. And they're like, well, Kieran, if your photos are good and they're going somewhere in cyberspace or on social media, we might get more tourists here. Or, you know, it makes our community look good, puts us on the map. So,
1: yeah, be careful with that one. Be careful what you wish for.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my part of the world, there aren't too many tourists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not yet. So,
1: do you, um, do you speak their language or their dialect? I do, uh,
0: yeah. not so well. Uh, so to give your viewers, uh, uh, your listeners a bit of a background, my father is English. Mm-hmm. My mother is Chinese from Malaysia. Um, I was born in Malaysia, but I've moved around the, the world for a few bit. I, I do speak the local language, not very well, mm-hmm. but they really appreciate the fact that I try yeah. and, and because they see me as a Westerner, they're very surprised that I can speak their local, uh, the Malay language and certain uh, Chinese dialect called Hokkien. And it always makes them laugh because I speak the local languages with an English accent <laughs> and, 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 and not too well. So they always laugh, but that laughter breaks the ice. And the fact that I try to, Interact with them on on a more local level. They really appreciate. It really breaks the ice. They think, "Oh, this guy's okay. We can trust him a bit." Um, yeah, we'll we'll let him take our photo. So, yeah, it, it does help.
1: Yeah, instead of some foreigner just blowing through yeah. for a day and snapping snapping photos away.
0: So that that's what happens. So I, so I drive up to the fish, fishing village. I get out my car. They think, "Oh, tourists. We don't have many here." We're a bit curious. Uh, so I have a lot of the, the older people in, in, the, uh, in the village. They come up to me. Uh, they said, oh, I'd like to practice my English with you.
1: Yeah, I think that's not unusual that people would ask you to you know, help them with their English. Did you help them?
0: Yes, uh, I do. Well, I, I engaged in a conversation with them. Um, they're obviously curious about me as, I, as an outsider uh, visiting their village, and I'm curious about their village. And it's all about relationship building. So they feel comfortable with me, uh, and I get to know uh, a bit more ab- about them. And some of them are very nice, you know, they would invite me to their homes, offer me a drink, or show me around and introduce me to other people. And you tend to get Better photos that way, so it's part of a long-term strategy.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, they're relaxed; they're more themselves. If you lift the camera up to take a photo, it's not an imposition.
0: Well, yeah, that's the thing. I, I sometimes I go in a, with a group of friends, and, and they want to start taking photos straight away. Yeah, um, I don't. I mean, I have my camera out, but I walk around first. You try and. Um, I get a, a feel of the situation is, and see what the mood is. And you see who, you, you can read the body language, who's shy, who's friendly. You're just waiting for that, uh, the, the first kid in the village to come up to you and say, oh, what's your name? Why are you here? Or, mm-hmm. or something. You're waiting for that first interaction. Then you see how it goes. I, I don't always start snapping straight away kind of just walk around and let everyone everyone see you so they know you're there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and Harmless. You just, and, and
0: you, yeah, you just try and settle in.
1: The You know, I talk to a lot of photographers and the experience, these are documentary, not just documentary photographers, but uh, rarely come up to these strangers in these situations with the camera out clicking away. They always wait always yes. get to know the people first let me ask you about your your photographs i mean you i imagine this area where you are is very colorful i mean you're on the sea You've got the blue sea in the sky and you always photograph in black and white i think well from all of the work i've seen of yours is, is monochrome what why do you do that right
0: part of it started from what my early influences were when uh-huh. I was looking at these, uh, of these photo books. So uh, as I was saying at the beginning of the show, I was really interested in uh, Renaissance and Baroque art and architecture and sculpture. So one of the photographers I, I really admired, and I was looking at his photo books, uh, was an Italian photographer, Aurelio Amendola. And he's done a whole study of Michelangelo's work. And it's all shot in black and white. White Italian marble against a black background. So that was a big influence on me. Uh, another big influence was the work of Sebastian Salgado, who also shoots in black and white. Um, they're big influences, but you know, they're very hard acts to follow to try and emulate. Yeah. But as I was shooting on on, on the street here uh, in my hometown of Kuching in Malaysia, it's not as bright and colorful as you might imagine. There's a lot of whitewashed walls, uh, steel gray shutters, uh, shop fronts, and things Mm. like that. And and I was finding I was converting more and more of my color photos. I did start in color. So I was converting more and more of my color photos into black and white. And and I just preferred the feel that that black and white was giving. It it gives a a really different mood. a real really different visual feel to the photo and then I thought why am I always converting color into black and white then I made the the transition slowly over probably a couple of years into shooting exclusively into black and white Uh, so I was setting my camera Uh, I was a lot of my street photography I started with the the Leica Q so Mm -hmm. I was switching that to the monochrome setting and hmm. shoot shooting directly in black and white so part of my workflow is i cut out that color conversion process and now uh, i'm shooting a lot with the q2 monochrome which i think uh you, you uh you bob have uh, 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 uh have one as well I and do. that's yeah a monochrome only sensor so over the years, I've made that sort of wholehearted, completed, complete switch to monochrome photography. And the interesting thing is, when I submit some of my older photos, and I still shoot occasionally in color, but when I submit them to, uh, let's say these photo sharing sites in Facebook or to the LFI Gallery uh, mm-hmm. by Leica, the photos that seem to, to do better for me get a better reaction is my black and white work
1: the ones that you converted
0: um oh mm, no i mean uh I, I i did a recent trip to eastern borneo to photograph mm-hmm. the, the Bajau out people and, and i was experimenting i've been there before so i wanted to do something different so i thought i'll do some color and i'll do some black and white so I was submitting my original photos in color and I was submitting some that I was shooting directly in black and white. Uh The ones that, for me, the ones that got a better public reaction was my black and white work. So for me, it's like, well, I've got to focus on what I, where I get a better response. I get a wider appeal, get a, you know, more positive, uh, critical acclaim.
1: Why do you use the the monochrome as opposed to, just using the Q or the Q2 and and converting just less work or you like the look better from the the native monochrome sensor?
0: Yeah. So the, the sensor on a Q2 monochrome is a dedicated black and white sensor. There is no color filter there. uh, It gives you a different black and white rendering. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a little bit darker. The, 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 the black scale the dark scale, is it, it's a really deep black, and yeah. you're getting a higher, uh, higher contrast. And, and, and it does feel different, because I had the Q2, uh, yeah, the, the original Q2, shooting in the monochrome mode. And when I got the Q2M, I noticed the photos on the Q2 monochrome were, were darker. Mm,
1: um, oh, yes.
0: Then, yes. So there, there is a different... Uh, visual feel to it. Now, for anyone asking which is better, it, it all, it's very hard to answer that. It comes down to how you want your photos to look. Because you, as the photographer, you're the artist, you have to make that creative decision, right? Yeah, sure. So, so, one of the first, most basic creative decisions you probably make as a photographer is well, do you want to shoot in color or do you want to shoot in black and white? Then you decide your subject. Then you decide your genre. Then you go find your locations and things like that. But I've made that choice, and I'm very happy that I've made that choice to go in, in, into monochrome.
1: I know using the the monochrome camera. You, I mean, you have to protect your highlights, obviously. And right. you're in a pretty pretty sunny place. For me, when I you know when I shoot with it, they tend to look very dark on the screen. And mm. you really, at least for me, you can't really see what you have until you get them on the computer and open them up a little bit. Uh, I don't know if, that, if that's been your experience.
0: Uh, uh, definitely. Uh, if I'm shooting anywhere from after about 10 o'clock in the morning in Malaysia or in Borneo, mm-hmm. the sun is very strong. It's oh, yeah, very yeah. intense. Uh, I mean, there's times that I've been out in the street shooting for about an hour and a half. I get sunburn. It, yeah. it, it's quite strong. Um, but And I think that's why black and white works, if you like that high contrast style. So if you were shooting towards the middle of the day in, in color, the colors look really washed out. Yeah. And where I am in the lighting conditions that I have, I find black and white is more forgiving. And I think it also works in in bad weather. Like if I'm with a, a fisherman out at sea in a storm, I'm like, oh, yes, I can see the, the, the dramatic white and black clouds coming in. I'm like, yes, this is perfect for black and white. I've been there with friends who are in color. Said, No, nah, no blue sky. It doesn't work for me.
1: <laughs> you don't have to I, worry about that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I don't worry about a, a, a blue sky. It's yeah. Uh, my my focus is always really on the people, so I, I I find black and white more more forgiving and more versatile for where I am and, and for the the conditions and the location I, I work work in.
1: Yeah, I personally I love monochrome for people's faces, and like like right. you were talking about earlier, older people. Hmm. Um, I think it really. I guess sort of essentially, I hate to say this, the wrinkles or the weathered faces.
0: Absolutely. And um, when you go to these fishing villages, um, those are the only people that you see left behind. It's the grandparents, Mm -hmm. the grandchildren, the, the, the young adults, they are working in the city. So when you go to these rural communities, It's just the older generation that that are left behind. And um, in some ways, uh, they're left behind figuratively and literally. And when you ask them, oh, can I take your portrait? They're really bemused. They say, no, 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 I'm old. I'm I'm not handsome. I'm not beautiful anymore. But you don't realize how photogenic you are. Uh, Yes. I would drive 200 miles to that village just to find that one old person because they are so photogenic. They have that unique character. Uh, the lines on uh, on their face are like lines of text in, in their biography.
1: Oh, I love that. And, and, yeah. And,
0: and, and that's what tells the story. And, you know, it, with all the new technology you have with with cameras, you know, the face detection mode. Yeah. It's really something for that technology to just to grip onto when it's focusing on the face and really hold onto. And if you ever do make a print or you look at it on the big screen, it's just, it's that texture uh, in that portrait that really draws you in.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's funny. Just last week I was, was out for a walk and down the street from me is our local senior center, and I have, I stopped in there to use a restroom. First, I ran into a gentleman I know who's older than me, and we were talking, and I just lifted up my camera and shot up, took one, one photo of him. He gave me this, I think it was a surprise, and he just had this real genuine, natural kind of uh, snarky look. We're at and when I, uh, and then a little later there was a another older gentleman playing the piano and he allowed me to take his photo and uh, i really liked one of the a couple of the ones i got and i sent them to him and i i said i'd make prints for him if he wanted them and he he goes oh, i don't want this this one because i look i look like an old curmudgeon and i go are you kidding <laughs> i said you're like deep in concentration playing the he's a fabulous jazz pianist by the way right really really talented and uh and then the the other guy i i sent him the photo and he goes i just i look so old and i go wow this is one of the, the most favorite portraits i've taken in months i look so old well you are old i i
0: I, I did a black and white portrait of my father on the occasion of his 80th birthday. He requested, uh-huh. him, said, I, "I'm 80. I want a special portrait. Mm-hmm. You're a Leica ambassador. Can you take the photo with your Leica?" And I shot it in black and white. And then I, I showed him the photo. I was like, "Yeah, but I uh, does black and white make me look older?" I said, "Yeah, Dad. You know, yeah, you're 80.
1: <laughs> yeah, come on now,
0: but." But it shows your character, your features. It it It, is, I I think we all wish we were a little bit younger. Oh, yeah. Look a little bit younger. But I guess it's true what they say, right? The camera never really lies.
1: No, it doesn't. And, you know, that's a a photo of you today. And don't you want photos of yourself now, along with the ones when you were 20 years old and 30 years old or whatever? Yeah, sure. I, um, I started on a project. It was a long time ago, maybe 15 years ago. I wanted to photograph older people. And I would, this is when I lived in a larger city. And I, I went to some senior centers and, and got permission to, to do portraits of people. And I was in a nursing home. I got some, I think, really amazing window light shots of people who were not going to last much longer. And, and they allowed me to photograph them. Then my mother-in-law, came down with Alzheimer's, and I just didn't have the heart to do it anymore. but I, I may pick that up again one day. It's, I encourage anybody to um, pick up their camera and start photographing older people. That's yeah. history. Sorry. This is about you. No no, me. no.:
0: <laughs> No, but, but that's a good point. If, if my conversation with you has made you think, "Oh, I, I, I want to start that project yeah. again." I want, at least I've helped somebody today. Yeah, And, and, That's and I right. think this is what it's it's all about when we talk about photography. Uh, people may look at my photos and they may not like them. That's fine. Uh, but maybe one of your listeners, readers, viewers, looks at the photo. I, I, I like that. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll try that. Okay, I can't do a fishing village. I don't live in Borneo. But it's given me an idea that I could do something that is near me. Now, if you can at least motivate one person to go out and take more photos, you've done something good.
1: I think you're definitely doing that. Um, Tell me about the the Leica ambassador. What does that mean?
0: Ah, um, okay. Um, I've been a Leica ambassador for about a year and a half now. I started in April last year and. For about three years, I I think uh, Leica, I'm an ambassador for Leica in Malaysia. I'm not a a global ambassador, so there is a big distinction there. So ambassador in Malaysia. And what they would want me to do or hope that my photography does is that it gives ideas to Leica users of what, the potential is of their cameras, and give them ideas to uh, to go out and shoot. Um, so, I, I, I do. I, I write some articles for Leica Malaysia. Uh, I, I profiled other Leica photographers. Uh, they asked me to do some workshops um, at the in August. I was in Penang in Malaysia uh, and I did a weekend of activities. I I did a a talk in the Leica boutique in Penang where I gave, I showed about 30 uh, of my black and white photos to Leica customers there across a different range of genres, street, architecture, portrait, fashion, uh, action photography. Uh, Then that was on the Friday night. And on the Saturday morning, I I took uh, a a class of uh, eight Leica customers out on the street. And this is under the Leica Academy brand. Mm -hmm. So it's to go out and help people gain confidence in street photography, show them some of my techniques, uh, give them tips on composition, looking for subjects helping them with their camera settings, try to give them new ideas, give them confidence in approaching people on the street, um, show them how I get my photos, just to encourage them to just to go out and shoot and and try different things. Um, So I, I post a lot of my photos also online with the Leica hashtags, so people can see my work and it gives them ideas to... Uh, go out and try different things with their photography and Mm. ultimately of course it's part of the the sales and marketing for Leica they would they're they're hoping my photography would encourage more people to go out and buy more of their cameras uh, (laughs) of course of course but uh, essentially so that's what I do to to help Leica I'm not an employee um I'm I'm, I'm not even really a freelance photographer. I, I'm a hobbyist. But even as a hobby, you still want to achieve the highest level you can uh, with, your, with your photography and get the best shots you can. And uh, it, I, I was very surprised when I got the call from Leica about two years ago. I thought, okay, maybe they were calling to try and say, oh, yeah, we got a new camera model out. Come and check it out, and they said, Um, we'd like you to uh appoint you as an ambassador. I, I you know, I nearly fell out of my chair,
1: yeah, just it, out of the blue, huh?
0: Yeah, wow. really, really out of the blue. I had no um pre warning or any hint or any indication. They said, Oh, we'd like to appoint you, uh, like ambassador. Um, and what they do is appoint uh, an ambassador last year for the Q2 monochrome. And they said, we really like you to help uh, promote black and white photography amongst our customers. So I've been very busy with that for the last uh, year and a half. It was a one-year arrangement, and uh, they extended it in May this year for another year. So I'm delighted they think my photography is of a suitable level that they want to continue that relationship with me and me with them.
1: That's uh, quite an honor. Look at who some of the Leica ambassadors are in, in their work and uh, that, that's a real honor, boy.
0: I, I, I'm absolutely delighted. Uh, I, and I haven't really been doing photography that long. And I also have to make that distinct. I'm I'm an ambassador for Malaysia. There are, like, a global ambassador, famous photographers like Steve McCurry. I, I'm not (laughs) at that level, but you know, you you, you've got to dream and you've got to try, right, to get to a higher level, uh, whatever that is for you and for your photography.
1: That's uh, yeah, very cool. Yeah, and congratulations to you for. thank you for for doing that. Um, I've got one more question here sure. before we wrap up. Uh, well, actually, I've got two, but I want to ask this one more of a technical question. Okay, the 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 Q two and the Q Q2, two Q two M has a twenty eight millimeter lens, right? And so you do all this work with with a wide lens. Of course, you can use the digital zoom that's built into it. I mean, do you find that restrictive at all, or is it more? to um, feel more freeing when i
0: first got it it, it was it felt very wide uh, i uh-huh. was shooting you know with different sets of lenses and you know with sure. with other brands before i switch so you could zoom in a bit it, it did take me some time to get used to it but i've been shooting with the with the q series for more than four years now and I've gotten used to it, and, and I find it liberating because you've got the one camera with the one lens. That's all I go out with, yes. right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm not thinking, oh, should I switch lens? <laughs> uh, yeah. I and when you're thinking that, sometimes you miss that opportunity. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
0: and because it is a wide, uh, a wide lens, you know, 28mm. So if I want to take a portrait, it's made me a more proactive photographer and by that it, i mean it's stopped me being lazy it's not enough for me to stand on the other side of the street and yeah. take a photo i've had to put in that extra bit of work and i've had to overcome some of my shyness in approaching people
1: That's, but my yep t-
0: by taking that extra step i think it's taken my photography to an extra level by getting closer and befriending someone who was a stranger and making that human connection with them in real life, I like to think you can see that connection in the photo, that level of comfort with the photographer in them allowing you to take their photo. And by having a wide angle lens, you have to be proactive. You stop being a lazy photographer. You have to move your feet. You have to change your position. You have to go after the shot a little bit more. But by doing that, I think you will see better results.
1: I agree with you. Mm-hmm. And especially the shyness thing. I mean, like you say, you can't stand a few feet back or across the street. You've got to be right there, right in front of them. Yeah. Which means you've got to have their permission, at least or
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I've had some really interesting conversations with people. And sometimes when I take the photo, I don't just walk away and say, thank you. You know, sometimes I hang around and have a chat with them. Um, uh, Last week, I was out in the streets of Kuching, and I took a photo of this elderly gentleman. I'm guessing he was about 75. I asked if I could take his portrait. He said, yes. I took some shots I was very happy with. And then he started asking me questions. And I, I sort of sat down and, and chatted with him about
1: yeah, for nice. about
0: 20 minutes. You know, he was an ex-soldier. He told me all about his tours of duty uh, in the Malaysian army, how he, he had some training with the British army, you know, his jungle training experience. And it, it puts your photography in, into context. There's a nice backstory if you're ever fortunate to do a workshop it's not like oh yeah. here's a portrait of an old man it's no. here's a portrait of an old uh, of an elderly gentleman who was an ex-soldier who was on active duty during the communist insurgency saw so active duty against indonesia in the jungles of borneo that makes your story more interesting yes and also it goes back to my point i live in a small city I may bump into that gentleman again somewhere in the streets in the months time. I think, Hey, I, I remember you. You remember me. Could I please have another portrait?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's different when you're in a small town. I'm in one too yeah. after living in a big city and uh, yeah. you are going to see those people again.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and the interesting thing is because I, I walk the same streets most weekends and it's like, Oh, you know, here, yeah, out of respect to an uh, a, an elderly person, we would call them, hello, uncle, hello, auntie.
1: Oh, really? So okay. i said, oh,
0: uh, hello, uncle, can I take your photo? He said, you just took my photo last month. <laughs> Why do you want another one? Yeah, I like so, your okay. hat, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, I'll leave it for a few more weeks and I'll ask him again.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe you'll forget.
0: But the interesting thing, there, there is one shopkeeper I walk past them most of the times when I do my photo walks. There was a gap of two years before he let me take his first portrait and I could take a second portrait. So, you know, you talk about playing the long game, you know, a, a patient waiting game to get that shot. And I was fortunate in both occasions, you know, two years apart, that they both made it into the NFI gallery. So sometimes it does pay to be patient if you really want that shot and, you know, to be nice and civil and polite and friendly to everyone you interact with.
1: Well, I live in a country that's not particularly patient. <laughs> and people don't want to get old or be old, you know, right. We've got a big youth culture over here, as you, you're probably aware. I mean,
0: I, I, I'm just curious about with you know with street photography in the U.S. You know, if you approached a stranger, how how would they feel? I mean, here most people would probably say yes.
1: That's a good question. You know, a lot of it depends on where you are. Right. Um, you know, some parts of the country are much more. I hate to use the term conservative because that's got so many political connotations now. But hmm. um, you know, they're more reticent. I think. Okay. In the, in the bigger cities like New York, I think you're better off shooting people candid because from distance, they're in a hurry. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. from a yeah. distance, but uh, you know where I, where I live, I live in in the South or almost the South. People are a little more casual, a little more friendly, mm-hmm. uh, but you know you have to talk to them. I mean, if you just, yeah, just sure. come up and sho- shove a camera in their face, you're, you're yeah, you're, you're not likely to like the result. I, see. I, I I
0: think it may be in some ways because I'm in Asia. Maybe yeah. culturally, it's mm-hmm. maybe it's okay here. And wh- where I'm living, the pace of life is quite slow. Yeah. No one is in a hurry. Well, not where I'm shooting, right? So I, 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 I'm sort of working on the concept that maybe a tourist working into their village is probably the most interesting of all yeah. the- the, di- the one different thing that's going to happen in that day and maybe having their photo taken is, you know, breaks up their routine a little bit. Something to tell their friends.
1: Yeah. 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 So, hey, this English guy came over here and took my picture.
0: <laughs> yeah. I,
1: why I, would he want to do that? But yeah, why? Him. Why?
0: Yeah. Why would he want to come all the way over here? Just to take one photo.
1: Yeah. Uh, but yeah. that's
0: what I enjoy doing.
1: Well, you're fortunate to be able to do that in such an interesting place. Before we go, why don't you tell us where people can uh, can see your work, find out more about you?
0: Okay. Uh, I think the easiest place for everyone to connect with me would be on my Instagram page. Uh, Mm -hmm. My Instagram name is Long 72 So... Once you click on that page and you see all black and white photos, you will know you have the right page. Um, I'm also there on Facebook, but I think Instagram is just easier for everyone. Um, for the for the liker users out there in your audience, you can see my photos in the LFI gallery. You can log on to that website, and I'm there in the LFI gallery under my real name, uh, Kieran Long. Uh, There's probably a selection of over 2,000 of my photos there. A large collection is of my black and white photography shot in Borneo. So those would be the best places to connect.
1: So do you get so many master shots or photo of the day because you're affiliated with the company or you're just... I'd like to... Of course, you have a lot of photos in there too,
0: I I have a lot of photos. Um, Actually, since I've been an ambassador, my success rate has
1: slowed down a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they don't want to play Um, favorites, I guess.
0: Yeah, um, and there's a lot of good photographers um, submitting there. And-
1: Yes, there are, oh man.
0: They are. Uh, So when I submit a photo, which I think is good, and it doesn't get selected, I fall into a really bad mood. I think, <laughs> oh, why didn't, why didn't they pick? It? it was a good shot. But then you look at what they do select. You think, yeah, now I understand why they did not pick my photo. Somebody's just come up with a better shot. It's, um,
1: it's a tough crowd. I, I gotta say.
0: Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's why I do it. Um, I, you know, before we started recording, I was, we were chatting about this. You know, if, if I put my photo on social media and my friends see it, I think they Probably feel obligated and click like out of politeness. But by putting my photos into somewhere where there is peer review or it's been uh, assessed by a professional photo editor, gives you an idea of where your photography really stacks up, you know, yeah. at, what, at what standard you are. And if you're not getting a master shot, I ask myself, why? I, I, I try and go out and, and do better or come up with a, a more original idea or, or, you, know, you, you change your game you mix it up a bit
1: always good to try something new
0: yeah yeah.
1: all right well Karen well thank you very much uh, appreciate your time and uh, you know dealing with our, our little technical issues so Thanks for that. And thanks to your kids for stopping their video game for a little while.
0: Yeah. So
1: my, my apologies to the audience for
0: the, the technical difficulties. I, 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 there's there's a, an asterisk there. So you have to bear in mind, I am living in Borneo and the technology is up and down a little bit. But, but thank you so much, Bob, for, uh, for this opportunity. Always yeah. happy to talk about photography. Uh, I think, as you can tell by the way I'm talking, it's, you know, it's something I'm genuinely enthusiastic about, as I'm sure everyone in your audience is and well, yourself. So thank you so much. Thank you for bearing with me through all the technological hurdles of you know, for me out here. But I'm so happy to do it, and thank you for the opportunity.